This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray, literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived, put it on his toe before he went to bed. And the next morning he was like, mom, my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. On today's episode of the Shameless Mom Academy, I'm interviewing Caroline Quash. Caroline is the host of the podcast, Being Careful, self-care and pursuit of mindfulness. She's also the creator and owner of the non-toxic candle company, Careful Candles, and a stay-at-home mom to her beautiful and clingy 19-month-old toddler, Marley. So this episode was really special. Caroline reached out to me a while ago about wanting to share her story with postpartum depression. And I didn't know what to expect when doing an interview about postpartum depression because it's a pretty personal thing and I didn't know how deep someone would want to go being interviewed about that. And I have to give Carolyn so much love for everything that she shared with us. She went deep. She talked about her experience. She talked about how it all started for her after her daughter was born, um, what postpartum depression looked like for her. It looks different for different people, for sure. For some people, it's more severe than it is for others. For some people, it involves different aspects of their life. Um, It can overtake everything in your life. And sometimes it can just be kind of a low grade underlying thing. So it you can't really say that it is just paints one picture for, for women and for moms. Um, I love that Caroline really took the time to share her story and share really openly and really the raw details of how it all happened for her and what it continues to look like. Her daughter is now 19 months old and postpartum depression is still a part of her life. She's still recovering from it. Some days are better than others. In this episode, we're going to talk about what has been most helpful for Caroline's recovery, which might also be helpful to you. Even if you are not a new mom with postpartum depression, her tips are amazing. They are the kinds of things that any mom, like it's tools that you want to have in your toolbox for any new mom in that first year or so things that will benefit you no matter what. If you are someone who's struggling with postpartum depression, these tips will be really helpful to you as well. I do want to say, if you think that you have postpartum depression or that someone else you know has postpartum depression, please seek care and seek help. 
Um, this episode is not intended to be medical advice or something that you should do in place of medical treatment. Definitely seek help. And especially if you know someone who is struggling and you think they might have postpartum depression, please reach out on their behalf. Oftentimes it takes someone else bringing the attention of the issue to you. And you'll see that, that that's what happened in Caroline's situation. It was something that she struggled to identify herself and her husband really had to help her with that. Uh, so we're going to see what setbacks look like once you have been diagnosed with postpartum depression and you have a treatment plan in place. What does that look like moving forward? Because it's not just like take a pill and it's all gone. For some people, medication works. For some people, it doesn't. For some people, you need more than medication or things that go hand in hand to complement the medication. So you're going to learn a lot today. And this is really valuable information. Caroline, out of her recovery, has created her own podcast, and it's definitely been a tool for recovery for her. The podcast is not just about postpartum depression. It's about a lot of different things about related to self-care for moms and for women. Um, but I love that she took a struggle in her life and she created something really amazing out of it. And she created something that she's really passionate about and something that motivates her every single day. So that's been really fun to learn about that as well. Please share this episode. If you know someone who's struggling, please do reach out to them or share this episode. And just if, if you don't feel comfortable sharing it specifically with one person who might need it, share it in a more broad sense. And hopefully the people who need to find it will find it. This is a big topic and I do definitely want to spread the word. And I so appreciate Caroline coming on the show to share so openly what her experience has been like, because the more openly we can share about these things and the more publicly we can share about these things, the more women we can help. And then by helping more women, we are helping more children and more families. And it's, there's just a huge domino effect to women speaking out on postpartum depression and um, what that experience has been like. So big thanks to Caroline for coming on. And without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in with Caroline Quash. Carolyn, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you. How are you? Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm doing pretty well. Excellent. So I know we are recording during nap time in, in the little pre-interview. <laughs> we were talking about all the things you do every day during nap time. So tell us a little bit about what nap time is like for you. Yes. Yeah, so nap time now, um, my 18-month-old has switched from doing the morning nap to just the morning and afternoon nap to doing just the full afternoon nap. And that can range anywhere from one thirty to 4 on an awesome day <laughs> or one thirty to 2.30 on a bad day. Oh. Or, you know, I try to put her down at one thirty uh, every day. And sometimes, like yesterday, she didn't fall asleep till 2.15. So she was screaming for 45 oh, minutes for sorry. nothing because she just wants me. Yeah. Um, and eventually fell asleep like two fifteen, two thirty, and then woke up at like four. So during that time, I usually immediately jump on my computer. I so I have a podcast as well, and I also run a candle company um, through Etsy. They're nice. called Careful Candles, and I actually just started that. Um, let's see, about three months ago, I had always made candles for the house and because I'm one of those like really concerned with like toxins and all of that. Like, yeah. uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I think I should just sell these. I think my husband actually said it to me first. He's like, why don't you just sell them your home? Like you make them for us anyway. People always ask like, where'd you get these candles? You oh, might as so well cool. sell them. Yeah. So I did some research and I decided to start an Etsy shop and 
it's only been open for a couple months now, but I have gotten such good traction and so many people love the candles. I think that people love them a lot because they're very like clean looking. Um, they have like the clear labels on a white candle. So they they kind of look like rustic chic-ish. Oh, um, so they can go like in any setting and they smell really, really good. <laughs> and so, yeah, I've just been working on that and that's what I do during nap time, I will get on, check the shop, make sure I don't have to make candles. Sometimes I'm making candles during nap time, but I do that a lot. I'll usually wake up early in the morning to do that. Um, but yeah, nap times, I sometimes try and take like a 20 minute nap because <laughs> I'm usually just so tired as all moms are. Yeah, that's the dilemma is like, do you rest and recover during that time or are you productive? It's such a dilemma. Yeah. And I think that the past week or so, I was PMSing and yeah. I was just feeling terrible. And so I pretty much all week long, right at one thirty or right whenever she would fall asleep, I would get a few things done. And then probably after like 45 minutes, lay down for at least like 25 minutes nice. because I just couldn't. And I was like, I, I just have to sleep or lay here or something. Yes. Yeah. So tired. So Nap time is the best time though. And she's an age where like when she's awake, she probably doesn't stop going. Oh yeah. And she's unfortunately super duper clingy and she has been for, for months. And so when I am home with her all day long, all she wants is me. Like I'm sure everybody knows like toddlers can be crazy. So <laughs> she follows me around the house and she's whining and she's fake crying at all hours. <laughs> Oh my God. Like, what are you doing to me? Like, yeah. drives me insane. So it is so over. And is she verbal at all yet? Is she talking? She is. So she always is saying outside, outside, outside. <laughs> That's all she wants to do is go outside. But like, it's been over 95 degrees. I live in Maryland and it's been 95 degrees for the past like two and a half weeks. And oh my it's gosh. not supposed to stop. And the humidity here is so bad. Yeah. Outside is like, not so fun. I can't, I don't like going outside with her until it's like six or seven because yeah. then it's really nice. But so she wants to be outside all day long. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like almost in tears every day because it's seven 30 when she wakes up, she's like outside, outside. <laughs> oh my God. Like why? Oh so my gosh. We've been, oh, oh, been it, really I feel good. like there's a window of like, I feel like with my son who was, and I've talked about on the show before, he was an intense kid and he's a stubborn kid and all things that will make him very successful in life, but made for a very, very challenging infancy in his life. Um, and I felt like as he was able to communicate more, it just got so much better. And now he, he's so funny because he tries to use big words, but he doesn't successfully use very much, but it's hilarious <laughs> as he tries. But he has gotten so much more independent and he can articulate things. So he'll be like, I'm going to go in the basement and play trains. And I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, like my dreams have all come true. So I can be in the kitchen by myself while he's downstairs doing something. And I thought we would never get there. So I have to tell you, like, it gets better, but it's so hard when you're in the thick of it. Mm -hmm. That's, that is the dream. I know. I'm like, I can't wait till she can talk. And then now that she's talking, just those like single words, I don't like it because it's only outside or no. Right. Or, <laughs> I know no it's hard. Time. There's not enough words for it to be helpful yet. Right. And I'm like, don't say no to everything <laughs> right. I say. Like, right. learn some new words. <laughs> right. Totally. 
Totally. Yeah, I do. I know it'll get better. It's just like, and she'll I'm, also get like with the candle stuff, she might get to the point where she could be super helpful. I know that Vinny has gotten to be really helpful in certain ways. It's not, I say helpful in quotes to some extent because it's not always super helpful, but he is very yeah. motivated to like help me do things in the kitchen or like help empty the dishwasher. And so like maybe, you know, at some point she could be helpful with the candle making stuff, which is kind of cool to see. I think the idea of having your child see you be entrepreneurial is really powerful. Yeah. I think that she, she already like sits and watches me, but nice. she's not old enough to like participate. Help. She will, she wants me to hold her when I'm like pouring hot wax <laughs> and I'm like, can we not do this? Like the one, right. please right. for three minutes. So, yeah. But hopefully yeah. she will be a good helper. So when you originally reached out to me, you um, mentioned you had had a journey you are in kind of currently still in the journey. Oh, yeah. I think it's a long journey, no matter what, for any woman who goes through this um, with postpartum depression. And so that was yeah. when you, and I, so I have to thank you for so much for reaching out and just immediately opening yourself up to that. Because right when I saw your email, I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to talk to her about this. This is a topic that is so important and we haven't had the opportunity to bring it up yet on my podcast. So, so thank you for being open to this conversation. And I, can you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about your journey with postpartum depression and like how and when did it start and what is it like today when, cause now Marley's 18 months, correct? Yes. Okay. So let's see for me, postpartum depression. I, so the day that she was born, um, I remember being in the hospital bed and you know, the woman or male comes in and is like, I'm the postpartum specialist. Here's the pamphlet. Here's my phone number. Here's my card. Like, let me know if you need me, you know? And I was like, Oh, to Dave, my husband, I was like, I'm never going to get postpartum depression. I love this baby so much. There's no oh freaking way. And he was like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're probably fine. And I didn't even take her information. I was really like, mm, no, I was like not, not having it. And I think that the whole time that I was pregnant too, I didn't really understand what postpartum depression was. I honestly thought it was like when you had a baby and you were sad that the baby was no longer like inside of you. I literally thought that for so long until, you know, that woman came in and was like, this is what postpartum depression is. These are the signs you need to look for. And I was just like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll be good. Don't worry about it. So, you know, we get home with the baby, and she was a really good baby. But after about a month or two, I noticed myself – I was breastfeeding, but I noticed myself pushing her away. So, like, for example, there was one time where all of a sudden I just like broke down in tears and the baby was screaming, crying. And my husband, Dave, was, he was bringing her to me to feed. And she was only like four or five weeks old. And I was like, no. And I was like pushing her away. Oh my God. And he was like, Caroline, she's crying. Like, she needs to eat. And I was like, I need five minutes. Like, I can't have her touching me anymore. And that's kind of when it first clicked for him. For yeah. me, I didn't know. I just thought I was having like a really bad day. And obviously I fed her, but it took me a little bit of time and I let her cry for like five to 10 minutes until I like pulled myself together and was like, whoa, you need to feed your child. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. But it was like something inside of me was like, you don't need to feed her. Like you're whatever. So that was the first warning sign for Dave. And he said something to me. And I, he was like, do you think you have it? Like, we, do you think we should call someone? And I was like, no, I think I'm okay. Like, I think I was just having a really bad day. Then it turned into 
uh, you know, every couple weeks I would say like, Dave, I really want to stop breastfeeding now. At the six week mark, I was like, I want to stop. And he was like, why? And I was like, I just don't think it's for me. Like she's, she wasn't that good at it, but I also was like not wanting to do it. Um, and he was like, can you like, can you hold out like a few more weeks? How about like a few more weeks? So he kept pushing me, which thank God he did, but I only made it to the three month mark. And I remember in the beginning being like, if I can make it to six months, I'll be so happy. Um, my sister at the time had just had a baby as well a couple months before me and she couldn't breastfeed at all. So she had already stopped and I was like, Oh, Jill already stopped. But like, she had a real reason. Like it just, the milk wasn't coming in, mm-hmm. uh, very well. But whereas for me, I kind of was m- making a lot of excuses. Uh, and that was another sign, but I still didn't know. Um, so at three months, I was like, all right, I'm stopping. Like I told Dave, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Can we please switch to formula? I don't think this is good for me emotionally. Like I, I don't like doing it. And he was like, if this is really what you want and you think this is going to help you be a better mom and help you emotionally, then sure. So we stopped and I ha- I just like started drinking a lot more wine than I should. So I was like, oh, I'm not breastfeeding anymore. I'm going to have wine every single night. Yeah, it's fine if you want to have wine every single night, but like that's like a glass or two, right. not like three or four and right. being drunk. Like, you know, it's not, you, it's just not something I had ever done before. And right. I was kind of like, you know, so every day I would have these like long, terrible days because the baby was crying and, you know, just newborn stuff. And then at the end of the day, I would treat it with, a glass of wine instead of dealing with my emotions. So it got to be about five, I was five months postpartum. And that's when I finally, something inside of me was just like, what are you doing? Like I was gaining weight, which doesn't like, I had already gained a ton when I was pregnant and I was gaining like another 20 pounds after in the first five months um, because I was just eating whatever, all the crappy food I could, um, cause I'm one of those like sweets and stuff like that. Just make me, those are like my comfort foods. So I would just keep eating those, uh, just drinking wine. I would, I would, uh, go out for happy hour with my friends more than I should. You know, I was just like not paying attention to me. And I, it was kind of just like came to a point where I came home one day and I was, I was like pretty drunk, like I think. And I like, just sat there in Marley's room and she was sleeping and I just sobbed and I just kept sobbing. And that's when I went up to Dave and I was like, I have to get help. Like I have to get help. This isn't normal. I don't want to be this way. And back a little bit of a side story. My mom is an alcoholic and she died from um, cirrhosis of the liver just about four years ago now. And she was, a terrible alcoholic to the point where like I didn't see her after age 12 because she just like disappeared from our lives. Um, and we found out she died when I was like 22. Yeah. Like 22, 23. And that really hit me hard. Um, and so when I noticed these patterns that I remember my mom being like, I was like, Oh no way. And how am I going to be like her? Like, Nope. I have to figure out what this is like immediately. So, researched a bunch of different, um, postpartum specialists. And I, I saw about 
three different therapists. And at first it wasn't working for me. I, I just don't think, I think it takes a little bit to find a good therapist who, you know, you just feel like you have flow with. Yeah. Um, you have to find a good fit. Yeah. So I went to see a couple and it was just like, some people just weren't helping me and they, they were talking so much. And I was like, can I talk? Like, oh my I need to get these emotions out. Like, what is therapy <laughs> then? I'm so confused. Why are you still talking? Um, so that was a challenge. And then, uh, found a therapist actually online who is amazing. And I still see her today. Um, who just helped me to become more mindful. And she kind of was like, take a step back and look at your life and like write down what you want it to be like and just start living that way. Like, you know, just start doing it because I, and she was like, you need to just take time for yourself and start caring about yourself. All you care about is your husband, your baby and drinking and eating. That's all you care about. You don't care about yourself. You care about those three things. And she was like, you really need to focus on taking care of yourself. So it, it was really, really hard, um, at that five month mark. And it's, I still think that I have it for sure. Uh, but every month it gets better. I'm like, I learn so much each month and it's, it's kind of like a, I'm not sure how long it's going to stick around. I remember reading people's, uh, like blog forum, like forum posts and then being like, Oh, my kid's three. I still have it. I'm like, no, I thought <laughs> one year. Um, but it really doesn't. It, it depends, I think, on who, you know, who has it and yeah. how you deal with it. And so basically I, I cut back on drinking. I, um, started exercising a lot. Exercise has always been so good for me. And, uh, during those first five months, I kind of made an excuse. Like I can't exercise because I have a newborn baby. Um, so I started doing yoga, like in the mornings and exercising when I could, we got a gym membership and I started going there, um, taking classes. And that really, really helps me. I would sit in the sauna and just like do, um, like a YouTube meditation or I would read in there. Um, just taking like that little bit of time for myself is the first thing that really uh, helped me to get on the road to recovery. And I definitely think that right now I'm in such a good place. Uh, it's still hard day to day and I'm still speaking with a therapist. I have very bad anxiety and I think the anxiety started when my mom passed away, like that's really, I never had it before. And so for the past four or five years, I've had this anxiety that's like, I can't drive sometimes. Like I'll get in the car and think that I'm going to crash the car. Like it gets really, really bad. Um, and that really comes and goes. And I can tell that it comes more when I'm like eating more sugar, um, not doing my yoga, not exercising, not working out, not taking time for myself. Um, but it's, it's really hard. It's today. I, I can't, I'm so thankful that I got help, uh, at the five month mark, but I still have a long, long way to go. And mm. it's not a joke. No. And I actually just had a talk with one of my friends who lives on my street and she's pregnant and she's stressed and she's in nursing school. And I, I sat her down yesterday and I was like, listen, if you, if something, 
feels off after you have this baby, please call or text me. Nobody told me this when I was pregnant. Nobody told me that it was going to be really, really, really hard the first year of a baby's life. And I was like, if your emotions start to feel weird at all, if you start to feel sad at all, please call me or please text me because I was alone during this. I didn't know who to call or who to text. I was very like sheltered and a lot of my friends um, are younger than me. And so they don't have kids. And I was, I'm like the first one. Uh, So that was really hard. And I have sisters, but I was ashamed (laughs) and I was like, I don't know what to do. Uh, they don't have postpartum depression. They, you know, they probably don't care that I do, but I really wasn't like, and I should have reached out. And so it's, was, it's very hard to reach out when you're in a place like that. And yes. just the, your mind is not, yeah. your mind isn't open to like sharing and exploring with others. Not at all. I was so, I just wanted to be like mm-hmm. in my house or out drinking with friends, not speaking about the fact that I was like, dying inside, you know. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with EarnIn. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. 
So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. So I think that it's just... It's so it sounds hard. Like it's, it's an ongoing, and I think that, well, you brought up a few really good points. Um, you know, it is an ongoing thing and it's something that you have to continually check in with yourself on. Um, yeah. and I appreciate you bringing up those points because I think that it is easy to think like, oh, it's something that happens like, you know, maybe between when your baby's like three and six months, but no, you're totally right. It can happen. It can happen much later after you know, I know people who are diagnosed after they have after their baby turns one, they aren't, you know, then it happens. It doesn't necessarily happen like right in infancy. Um, And yeah, it can stick around. Are you on medication or have you been able to use other modalities for treatment? So I attempted medication. I am very, very sensitive to like every medication there is. Um, So I attempted to use uh, citrulopram. It's like a anti-anxiety, antidepressant, mm-hmm. um, that actually was recently. So in the first year, I guess, or from five months until, um, until about February of this year, I was, I was too afraid to take medication because I had experience with, uh, a bad experience with Xanax before, uh, where a doctor, like a regular physician prescribed it to me. And he was like, cause I was having anxiety and this was after my mom died. And he was like, you can take one a day. So I was taking Xanax one a day for like two months. And that's not how you're supposed to take it. It's supposed to be like, you take it if you feel a panic attack coming on, right. um, not as like a routine thing. So I went through withdrawal with that. Oh which my gosh. Just absolutely terrifying. And the worst experience ever. Um, so I was like, I'm not going to take medic medicine again. I don't think my body can handle it. And then it got to the point in February of this year where I just couldn't get the anxiety under control. The really like the fear based anxiety. That's what mine is. Mine's like end of the world type situations, you know, the whole driving thing where it's weird because driving for me used to be like, my favorite thing in the world. And then as soon as I had Marley, which I'm sure other moms can resonate with, I just all of a sudden like freak out anytime I'm behind the wheel, even if she's in the car, even if she's not in the car. 
Uh, I feel like I'm going to lose control of the car. Mm. So it was getting really, really bad. And I was like, okay, I think I'm going to try a different type of medicine. This is one that has like, they say like not a lot of fillers in it. Um, Heard a lot of good things. I asked one of my friends who had been on a similar type of medicine. She said it was working great for her. So I started taking it and I was on it for only six weeks. And I remember to the day, like on the six week mark, uh, just sitting down after dinner and after we put Marley down, sitting down at the table and just started bawling. And Dave was like, what is wrong? Like, what's going on? And I was like, I don't feel anything. I don't feel happy. I don't feel sad. I don't feel anything. I was like, I don't think this medicine is for me. I don't think that I can take medicine at all. I'm like really scared. I don't want to be on this anymore because for the first few weeks, I felt nothing. And then from like the three week to the six week mark, I, and what I mean, I, from the first to three weeks, I felt nothing means like there was no change. So okay. I just felt it wasn't normal. helping. Yeah. Like I just felt the same anxiety, same stuff. But from like three to six weeks, I started feeling void of any emotion at all. So I just, and I just couldn't like laugh or cry. I was just like a zombie almost. Mm. And, and my husband's really funny and he always like tells jokes and I'm usually one that laughs at them. And he would come home and like crack a joke here and there. And I wouldn't say anything. Like I'd be like, you're so annoying. Can you please like, <laughs> you know? And he's like, whoa, like, oh my gosh. You. Cause I, you know, and I just, I didn't have any emotions at all. So that's kind of at the six week mark. I was like, I'm done. Called my doctor and I was like, how do I get off of this? So they told me to, cause I have a history of like the withdrawal symptoms. Uh, and they told me to like cut the pill in half for however many weeks. It was like two or three weeks and then you'll be fine. Turns out I did that. And then I was, you know, I was off of it after three weeks. And to this day, so that was February. It's now July. Uh, I'm still having withdrawal symptoms. So I'm curious at myself, which I'm trying not to be. I'm trying to just be like, you know what? Okay. That was your second test. (laughs) Like just don't again. But like, yeah, I mean, so for the past four months, February, March, yeah, like four months, I've been having these crazy withdrawal symptoms and they're going away but so slowly. That is um, so interesting. So, yeah. I get like these, they call them brain zaps. So it literally just feels like someone's like lightly zapping your brain, like with a taste. I don't know. Oh my like, gosh. Like little like electric shock. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Yep. So that's like, that finally went away just like a week or two ago. So I had those for like three months straight. So I would just wake up and then that would happen like every I don't know, 30, 40 minutes all day long. Wow. It's just super uncomfortable. And so then your anxiety's through the roof because your body's like, where's the medicine? But it just didn't make sense to me because it wasn't helping me. But I guess it had numbed so much that it was like really going through withdrawal. So now I am not doing medicine and I'm not going to. I'm just one of those people that doesn't work for. There's so many people that take antidepressants and they work and they change their life. And that's what I think I was really hoping for. I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. This is it. I'm going to feel so good. I'm going to at least be able to like have more energy to work on myself because 
I still have like this terribly low energy. Um, so it's really hard for me to take all the time that I need for self care and to work out. And I, um, so I was like, Oh, this will definitely help. This is going to give me energy. This is going to at least put the blues away for a little bit. Um, and no, (laughs) so I'm not doing that again. And you make a good point about with the medication that, um, I know a few people who have taken, um, antidepressants postpartum and had just amazing life-changing experiences where they were like, and the two people that come to mind took them after their second child and not after their first. So, and both of them were like, why didn't I do this with the first baby? Like they just felt (laughs) so much better. And they both, in both cases, um, they both recognized, you know, that they weren't, that's like you said, like something just feels off and something doesn't feel right. And they were so glad that they mentioned it to their doctor because in both cases, the antidepressants did work very well for them. And that was very helpful. But I think that you, you know, very early in your conversation, you said that when this was starting for you, you just thought maybe you were like having a bad day Mm -hmm. and it's easy to be dismissive. I think. And I think when you're a new mom and you're exhausted and you're just trying so hard and especially with breastfeeding and I've said multiple times, breastfeeding is the hardest thing I ever did. And yeah. I'm very similar to you, did not enjoy it, had a really hard time with it. I had low milk supply, which just made it so overwhelming. Um, and so it, it's, it's so hard to know the difference between like having a rough day and is this depression or anxiety? Because every day has, especially I think with a first baby, every day has like 1 million insurmountable challenges. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. so even if you don't have postpartum depression, every day feels like, oh my God, how am I going to survive to some extent? So I think having those conversations with people and being so, I mean, so lucky in your situation that your partner was able to recognize some things because I think that is where I think it's hard to see it in yourself. And I think it's so critical that a spouse or partner can see like something doesn't seem right. Like you aren't Mm -hmm. getting back to your old self. Not that I mean, yeah, like you're going to have rough times. You're going to have rough days. You're going to be probably tearful at times. But to recognize patterns of like not typical behavior, I think is so important. Um, and yes. so I really appreciate all you said about that. And then also Sharon, I, I really appreciate what you said about or what you shared about your experience with the drugs, because I do think it's so important to recognize that for a lot of people, drugs work really well, but Outside of postpartum depression, just in general, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications, they can have really horrendous side effects and they can actually increase the likelihood of harmful self-behavior and like specifically like suicide and those kinds of things. And so it was suicide and homicide actually. And so I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert in this field at all. But I think it's easy. And like you even said, like you just want it, like you hope that you can just take a pill and everything will be better. Mm -hmm. And it's so important that people know that like for some people that works really well and that is fantastic. But that we also have to be really aware of the potential side effects of that these drugs can make things worse or just have other side effects that can be compromising to our life or our lifestyle. Like you said, like you just felt you're walking through the day numb and you can't feel anything. And that's potentially more harmful than Mm -hmm. some of the other stuff. And there's that fine line of like, what is the most harmful scenario? Like if you're, you know, so out of control and drinking is like at some point that becomes more harmful than being totally numb. And so you have to work with a medical team to be able to really distinguish the whole, like the right thing. And so um, it's for anyone listening. I just want you to, I want you to make sure you're taking notes and listening, but I also want you to make sure that if you need help, you, definitely ask for help from 
reliable sources and don't take matters into your own hands. <laughs> yes, I totally agree with that. And I think they, the, the medicines do have really bad side effects. And when I was going through the withdrawal, my depression just, I, I have never felt that depressed in my life. So it was like, I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I spent days like random days. So it was like, it would just come and hit me. And this almost happened to me, uh, this past weekend. And I got myself out of it. I'll tell you in a second. But uh, there was a few days during this withdrawal where I spent the entire, it would be like a Saturday or a Sunday when Dave was home. And I would be like, I don't feel well. And I would spend the entire day in bed. And I would only sleep for a little bit, but I would just lay here. Uh, whether it's staring at my phone, staring at the ceiling, I had no desire to pick up a book on my bookshelf next to me and made me read or like anything like that. It was just like, I physically couldn't move. And that was like one of the scariest feelings because I was like, I could hear Marley and him playing downstairs. And I was like, heartbroken because I didn't want to go down there. And I was like, why don't I want to go down there? You know, I was like doing all of that in my head, but I just felt so tired. And this almost happened to me, uh, just this past weekend. I think it had to do with the PMS. That's like when I get really dark, you know, Mm -hmm. like everybody I'm sure does. And, um, I just like was laying in bed and I was like, I really don't feel well. I think I should just like take the day off, you know, just lay in bed. And I, and then like, I think it took, five minutes of me laying here and I tried to do one of my like mindfulness breaths that my um, therapist had taught me just like breathing in for four counts breathing out for eight counts and I was like doing that and then like I was like you know what no I'm getting up I'm getting in the shower and we're going for a walk like I can't do this to myself and I think there's like that fine line between like how much do you let it take over your life and how much do you just like fake it until you make it literally? Right. right. Um, yes. Because I'm not better, but I'm not going to let it drown me. And right. because that's what it was doing for so long. And there's so much of Marley's life. I feel like I've missed because I've just been in my head too much where yeah. like when I would lay in bed for that long, it's because I was in my head. So all these thoughts were just running around, running around. Um, and I was just sitting here watching them instead right. of being active and like being like, no, I don't, why, I don't even care about these thoughts. Like I need to go do something else. So I think that's another thing and just, and learning that antidepressants can definitely help if you're the type of person that can handle them on your body. Um, but even if you are taking them and they make you feel like a million bucks, I would say, you also need to go through, you still should always do therapy, I think, uh, because you've got to get the emotions out of you. Right. Because they're not, or else they're just going to settle in. And I think that's like what destroys people and what causes like addiction and stuff like that. Because now like I can have a glass of wine whenever I want, uh, but I don't have four. And I, you know what I mean? Like I, you're if able I'm to having manage a terrible day. I can have one, but I also, that's not my go-to anymore. Like I go on a walk or I do yoga or I do this or I do that, but I, I have like a, a good balance now, which I don't think I had before. Whereas like, I'm not punishing myself and being like, you can never have wine again because right. I love wine. But it's <laughs> like, you also need to work on yourself and do things that make you happy and that are healthy for you. Um, so that you can enjoy yourself 
yeah. and have your wine when you want. So what, what does it look like when you have setbacks and you have to stay like you talked about when you're home, when on the weekends of your husband's home, you can stay in bed. But what does it look like if you have a setback and you are home and you have to, and it's a weekday and you don't have your husband around to be helpful? So uh, I definitely have one of those recently where the setbacks usually happen if I have stayed up late the night before um, and I don't wake up early before Marley. I find that the only way that I can like function well is if I get up at least like a half hour before her and just spend time with myself. Uh, otherwise I go insane. And yeah. so if I don't have those mornings and so if I'm waking up at, to the sound of her crying or her talking in her bed or crying in her crib, um, that really starts the day off bad for me. And that can look anything like uh, not getting up and taking a shower. So I'm like still in my pajamas. It takes me like four hours to get dressed and I don't know what to do with her. I don't know where to go. I don't know. Like, I don't feel like playing outside. Uh, you know, I just don't feel like entertaining her mm -hmm. and that gets, so I'll like try and put on a movie or do this or do that. And I find myself, um, like walking around the house trying to do anything but figure out like what's good for us to do today. It's right. like really bad. Um, so I find that when that happens, it usually takes almost all day for me to realize. I mean, I think at like the four o'clock point after her nap is when I'm like, I, cause I have that nap time. And usually during that nap time, that's when I will uh, read or journal um, on those bad days, because I find that journaling can really release, um, a lot of my emotions. So any, I just like journal and just free write and let everything out. So even if it's like really negative, I just let it out, but I don't reread it. Okay. I just, you know, just go <laughs> and, yeah. um, and I write down how I'm feeling and why and, and what I want today to look like. And if I'm mad at myself, I write it down and I don't ever look at it again. And I find that's a good way like to create a clean slate because then, and I'll also like jump in the shower. I think that for me, showering is like, if I don't do it, I don't feel uh, refreshed and I don't feel a hundred percent either. So try and shower and clean up a little bit, you know, so the house looks nice and then plan something and be like, all right, so as soon as Marley gets up, we're going to go to the park or we're going to go next door and visit the neighbors, like get out of the house. Right. That's a big thing because it's so easy to just sit in the house and dwell and just be like, like it's just <laughs> another day totally. of mom life. What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> like I don't have anyone to talk to. So I try and like figure out a way to, to mingle with an adult, you know, get some adult conversation. But those setback days are really, really hard. And I think I'm starting to notice them earlier and earlier. So the best thing that I've been doing is trying to prevent them by, um, going to sleep at 10 o'clock instead of 11 o'clock. That one hour gets me, you know, making sure I wake up at 6 or 6.30 um, so I'm up at least an hour before she gets up and just, like, taking that time for me. Because if I don't have the time for me, then the day goes really bad. Yeah. Um, and not being so hard on myself. I think that for a while I – if I would have bad days like this and I would snap at Marley and I would feel angry at her, you know, I would then at nap time put the guilt on me and feel 
like I was mad at myself and let it sit for way too long. And that's why I like the journaling because it's just like, okay, I'm mad at myself, done. Now I'm not. Like I can't let this drag me down anymore. Right. Um, because if you feel like if you feel that mad at yourself, it's just not healthy yeah. at all. And everybody, we need to realize that like everybody goes through this. So I always like try to think like, okay, there's another mom in the world who's going through the exact same thing. And I would never, ever, ever think she was a bad mom ever. So you kind of have to treat yourself as if you're your friend or you're, yeah. you know, I, like. That is such a great point. Or you're another mom. Like, just like, what would you say to another mom? You would never, ever tell her that. Like. You would just be like, oh, you're doing the best you can. Like, just say something like that to yourself and remind yourself that it's hard. And every mom thinks it's hard. And <laughs> we're all struggling and we're all doing the best we can. Right. So, like, that's a big one, too. I totally agree. I love how many things – I feel like you have such a great um, – level of consciousness, uh, conscious, consciousness about, um, what works well for you and like what the tools are in your toolbox. And like you said, like you're knowing what your appropriate bedtime is and knowing that you need that time in the morning and knowing what showering and journaling and exercise and like all these things, I think that's so amazing and so powerful because, um, those are like, that's your drug right there. And you know, exactly. And I think that it's, it's, it can be really hard to connect those dots. And once you connect them, it's so empowering so that you can, instead of waking up and just feeling completely powerless, you can say like, Oh, I, you know, I went to bed too late last night. Like I know to not do that tonight. And so you can, if you can kind of pinpoint like cause and effect, I think it probably makes you feel a lot more in control and a lot more powerful over the destination of the day. Uh, and I think that's, I just think that's such a great, I love that advice for other moms. Um, and I think there's so many different ways to do it. And it sounds like you're doing a lot of them, but like keeping up on sleep, keeping up on um, yoga and exercise. And I love the idea of journaling and just like anything that comes out, comes out and not going back and reading it. All mm-hmm. those things are, could be such game changers for moms in your situation. So that's really, really helpful information. Um, so you, your podcast being mindful is, I'm sorry, being careful is a lot about mindfulness yeah. So can you tell us like how talk about that how that all started and where the podcast came from and and how it has been kind of a tool in your postpartum recovery. So the Being Careful podcast came to mind. So in December of 2000 this past December 2015, I was with my husband. We were in Punta Cana on like our delayed honeymoon. So we had gotten married in August. Um, and we took our honeymoon in December and mm. yeah, and I brought the book big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert with me. Oh, such a and, good book. Yes. I will and, link to that in the show notes for those of you who haven't yes. read it. It's so good. Yeah. I was asking Dave actually, I was like, who do you think my biggest inspiration is? He was like, Elizabeth Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're right. So we had, I had read that book down there and I was like, oh gosh, this is like, this is going to change my life. So when I got home from the vacation, I was like, I'm going to write a book. For some reason, I was like so inspired by her and I thought I could uh, write this book about my experience as a mom and my experience growing up with an alcoholic mother. But, um, so I worked on that for a bit and I mean, I wrote probably like, a lot of outlines and stuff. And I think I will pick it up again, but I'm not, I don't think I have enough experience in motherhood yet to make it what I want it to be. So that was like a, one of the first ideas that came to me. 
Um, but then I was like, I was like, you know what? I, I wasn't feeling it. And I was yeah. like, I'm going to put this down for a bit and see what else comes to me. Because she talks about in the book how like ideas come to you and how you should never turn them down. At least like try and uh, work your way through them and all of that. So I, you know, then soon had been listening to podcasts a lot and I was like, I could do this. Like I could definitely do this. I think that I really want to like talk to people about, um, caring about themselves, taking better self care and caring about others and caring about the planet and, uh, being more mindful. Cause I don't know really anything about it, but I want to learn because I knew it was really good for postpartum since that's like what my therapist had told me. And so I was like, maybe I should start a podcast. So I just started researching and I wanted it to be about all things caring, like what you care about and taking care of yourself. And I was like, oh, being careful podcast. Okay, perfect. So I came up with the name first and then I uh, researched how you do this whole thing and all of the ins and outs behind it. And I I first was like, I think I just want to interview people. And so I just started emailing people and I was like, I'm the podcast host of being careful. And, you know, I would love to have you on the show. This is why, blah, 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 blah. And every single person that I would reach out to was like, yep, of course. Isn't sure. that amazing? Yes. And- like you think everyone's going to say no and everyone yes. says yes. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. But I feel like, and from a few people I've talked to, they're like, well, think about it. Everybody loves to talk about themselves. They are probably (laughs) loving the fact that they can do this, like, even if they just get to talk about themselves for an hour, like that's like therapy to them. So yeah. yeah, And I had reached out to authors and people that I never, ever thought I'd be able to talk to in life. And everybody was saying yes. And I was like, okay. And so I just started conducting interviews. And after I did about four or five, I submitted it to iTunes and we got on there and, um, 
we made it to new and noteworthy, which I saw you were there too, which is yeah. so cool. So it's such fun. an honor. Um, and it's been really uh, therapeutic for me because I'm able to, I really, what I do is I only record uh, episodes maybe two weeks out. So um, like if I'm feeling a certain way and, or I really want to learn about something, I had, for example, I've been having a, a lot of trouble with my gut lately, like gut health stuff. And I was like so curious about probiotics and like what kind I should be taking and what else I should be doing for my gut. So I like found this woman who is like a cleanse specialist in LA. Her name's Alyssa Goodman. And she has this new book out called Cancer Hacks, which by the way, is an awesome book. And I just emailed her and I was like, would you want to come on and, um, like talk about gut health and talk about your book. And she was like, of course. And she came on like the next week. And that was my podcast for that week, you know? So I use it as a tool for anything that I feel like I want to learn about. And I think other people can benefit from. Right. So, and it also like I record episodes where it's just me. And if I've had an experience or, you know, I had like a self care rut where like I wasn't taking care of myself for a week. And I podcast about that and I talked about how I got into the rut and how I got out of it, you know? So it's like, cause you know, a lot of other people have these ruts as well and yeah. they want to know how to get out of them. So I just use it as a way to, to spread the word about how important it is to take care of yourself. Cause I think today it can be really hard to, especially in motherhood to balance taking care of yourself and also being a mom and, and dealing with all the technology and everything. And we're just like so nonstop that right. we need to really just slow down and, and take care of ourselves. So I just want to point out all the ways that we can do that. And every guest that's come on, all the ways that they tell us, they're so, so simple. And if you make little changes in your day, I think that's like what's helped me the most is just like taking it very slow and changing day by day. And that's why like I'm not done with postpartum depression, but I'm definitely way, uh, in a way better place than I was before. And I yeah. think I'm just going to keep getting better as I learn more. Do you feel like the podcast and the, um, candle business on Etsy, do you feel like, um, those two things have given you some momentum that you feel, um, that kind of gives you a platform to build something outside of, motherhood and that kind of pulls you out of the postpartum, um, heads, uh, headspace. Of course. Yes. A hundred percent. That's like the, one of the first reasons that I started the podcast too, was like, I, I needed to do something for me yeah. besides taking care of myself. I needed to do something where I felt like I was needed in a different way instead of just being needed as a mom. And, uh, so after the podcast, I started it, I, then the like the candle idea came to me and I was like, I can totally do both because they're two opposite ends of the spectrum. They're two different jobs, you know, right. um, and one of them's hands on and the other, I mean, they both are hands on, but it's different. And they, they've definitely brought out this uh, like entrepreneur side to me that I never even knew that I had. And I think that the fact that I've been able to stay home has, you know, showed me that I have that in me because I was talking about this with Dave last night that like if we didn't have Marley, I wouldn't have either of these things. I wouldn't have yeah. podcasts. I wouldn't have the candles. I'd probably be working a nine to five. You know, I, I would just be doing the same old thing, but right. 
she's actually brought out the creative side of me because I've had to get creative because I realized that like, okay, if I want to stay home with her and also feed myself, you know, feed my creative soul, then I need to figure out what I love to do and just do it. And I think um, ever since then, I've definitely, it's definitely propelled me into this totally different person. Like, you know, and my husband's like, you're so happy with this. Like, it's so good that you have this. That's so So that's definitely something I would say is advice to anybody who's staying home. If, if you feel like you're getting to the point where you want to go work, you can go work, but you can also find something to do from home. Even anything that's like a little bit creative, read that book, Big Magic, and it will inspire <laughs> you really to just like hold on to your ideas and your dreams and to just go for them because there's like not, you don't have anything to lose. It's just like, you might as well just go for it, you know? Yeah. Uh, describe the legacy that you're building, which you've started to touch on probably a little inadvertently probably, but, and also how does being shameless play into your legacy? So being shameless to me is kind of like not letting other people get to me. That's been a big uh, issue with me more so like comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easy to get lost in an Instagram feed or a Facebook <laughs> feed and feel like you are not uh, up to par with all these mommy vloggers who oh, have beautiful totally. photos, which don't make any sense to me. But, um, you know, it's, and to be shameless is to just be like, okay, I don't need to be like that. I don't need to compare myself. This is where I am right now. And I think that's like the biggest thing for me is I've, I've had a hard time being present. Uh, anxiety doesn't let you be present, especially when you have that like, uh, fear, ang- fear based anxiety. Mm-hmm. So uh, my biggest thing recently is trying to be present. Um, in every situation that we have, uh, that I have, because this time is like all that we do have. And it, it can really tear you down if you're staring at a screen or comparing yourself to other people or not being present in the moment for whoever. One of the best pieces of advice that I got was that, you know, even if you're feeling terrible and you're feeling depressed and you're feeling upset, still go hang out with your friends, go hang out with people and be present for them. So even if there's stuff going on in your head, be present for them because they need you. They want you to be there for them. They expect you to be there for them. And it also helps you in return because you're then like focused on someone else. You know, you're focused on someone else's world. And then you kind of are like, oh, I don't need to be in my head. So I think external focus makes a really big difference. (laughs) Yeah. So just being present for everybody else and for yourself because that, um, I think is so important. And as far as like the legacy I'm building, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to be as like vulnerable as I can be for my daughter. Uh, I think that I grew up where in a family where like I was raised just by my dad with my sisters and he is an amazing dad for raising three girls. Um, but I don't think we ever got to the point where we were very uh, free to express our emotions. Um, and if we were, I don't remember it. But, you know, I just want to leave something where Marley feels like she can, she doesn't have to hide uh, from any type of emotion she may have. And that um, 
people want to hear from you. People want to hear about your experiences because most likely everybody's going through it as well. But I think everybody's so scared to admit that they also are feeling a certain way because we're also sheltered and we don't want to show, you know, our true colors sometimes because it's very, very hard. But I'm trying to set that example where like if something's wrong, if you're upset, you know, if you're mad, you have to just talk about it. Just just talk about it because I think I've bottled up so many emotions through the years uh, as far as like with my mom and with her death and now with all of this, it's just like all of this stuff has just been like balled up and now it's all coming out and I finally get to like see who I am as a person. I don't really think I was like, living before like I wasn't really dealing with any of my emotions I was masking them so now it's getting to the point where it's really cool because I'm actually finding out who I am because I'm not scared to like speak about my emotions and I'm not scared to reach out to people about my emotions because if you think about it like if a friend calls you with a problem you're never gonna be like why did they just call me about this like that's weird because You know, the first thing you do is like, oh my gosh, thank you for calling. Like, I'm so glad you called. Like, what can I help you with? Right. And I think people need to realize that like everybody wants to help you. It, it feels good to be needed. Yes, it does. It definitely does. So if anything, just reach out and be open about your emotions and don't let them smother you because when they smother you like they did for me, it's just a downward spiral and you feel just like dull and there's mm-hmm. no life inside of you. And I right. think once you can breathe and let emotions out, then you can feel so much better about yourself and about your situation. It's easier to laugh things off and it's easier to take life with a grain of salt instead of taking everything so seriously. Cause when you're in the depression mode, everything is very, very serious. And yes. when you're anxious, everything is very, very serious. But if you're able to release these things and know that other people are dealing with them too, then it's not so bad because it's like, oh, like life is crazy. It's so crazy. <laughs> like everybody's going through this too. Like just laugh about it some days. Right. You can keep like, it much lighter. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Caroline, I so appreciate how open you are being with your experience. And I think that's so powerful. And I think that it's interesting. You say, you know, coming from a family where you didn't have a lot of opportunities to express emotion, that you are able to talk really openly and really vulnerably about um, everything that you've been through since becoming a mom. I think that it's just amazing. And I so appreciate you sharing your story here because I think that you are helping so many other moms. And so I think what you're doing, I hugely admire you sharing your situation and your story and everything that's going on in the past and up to the present. Um, and I think that the work that you're doing is it's amazing what you will give to other moms by sharing your story. But I also think that it's so amazing to see how you are building a platform that is so healing to you while it's helping other people as well. So I so appreciate you being here for that. And with that, we have to do our shameless mommy minutes, our little lightning round. So um, this will be a little lighter than the rest of our conversation. So let's go ahead and start with red wine or white wine. Okay. So for this one, it's really hard for me because I used to be white wine all the time. Um, that was like my go-to. And now since I usually just have like a glass or two, I have to say red, which is so weird, but like 
today I'm going um, to act. This is a totally different story, but I'm going to meet two of my cousins who I've never knew existed until like last month. Don't my dad's adopted and he just found out who his whole biological family is. So we're like, yeah. So I'm meeting my two cousins who are my age and I was like, Oh, I'm going to get white wine today because it's like super hot out. So (laughs) it goes back and forth. Yeah. Current book that you're reading or the last one you read. Um, so I am reading Cured by Nature, and that's by Tara Mackey. She was actually, I had her on my podcast. The book is was really helpful for me because she was like a girl who was on prescription medication and cured herself completely with like herbs and natural remedies. And she also has just a lot of good mindfulness stuff in there. Uh, she has a lot of tools with dealing with um, depression and anxiety. So if anybody is dealing with any of these things, then I would recommend that. Very book. cool. I will link to that in the show notes. So yes. for all you guys listening, uh, for all our shameless moms listening, you can go over to in, uh, to shamelessmom.com and I will make sure I have all these things linked up. Your favorite non-work related thing to do with time to yourself? I think my favorite non-work related thing has to be yoga. I wasn't a yoga person for a while and now it actually like brings me a lot of joy and it helps me so much. So I think that's like my favorite thing to do besides spending time with friends. I think that's one of my favorite things to do. Of course. Nice. Excellent. What's one morning ritual you can't live without? My morning, my one morning ritual I can't live without would have to be journaling. That is one that, um, I love to do the, uh, there's another book that I love called let it out. Uh, it's called a journey through journaling and by Katie Dalebout. And that is a new book and, um, it has 55 different journaling exercises in it. So, uh, it just helps you to literally let it out, like release all your emotions. And one of the first ones in there is called the morning dump. <laughs> and oh, cool. So you just wake up in the morning and first thing, grab your journal and just write. So anything that comes to your mind, you just write and it kind of helps to let out those weird emotions or any anxiety you have about the day. And then it, usually by the end of like my two pages is how long it usually is. And usually by the end. I'm like on like a very nice, like excited note to get the day started because I've worked out all my problems right then and there. Like I'm like, all right, well, if you have to do this and let's do this first, like it just makes it easier. Oh, so So cool. mm -hmm. Who's your biggest inspiration? Right now, it definitely has to be Elizabeth Gilbert because I feel like she started all of this for me, (laughs) all of these things that I'm doing. Awesome. I love that. Yeah, so read Big Magic, too. There's a lot of books Yeah, <laughs> I'm recommending. If you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why? The invisibility cloak. <laughs> <laughs> I totally. Have to because you have – because I, I literally hide from my child when, I, when she's, like, playing. If we make eye contact and she's playing peacefully, she comes to me, and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> So I would have you to did not see me because I can't clean the kitchen because if I make any noise, she'll come running. So I have to literally hide for those like 20 minutes that she plays by herself. So I'm like, I just need an invisibility cloak so she can't see me for a right. little bit. <laughs> She'll be fine. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, this has been so, so helpful and so enlightening. I've really appreciated the time that you spent with us today, Caroline. So tell us where we can find you. 
Sure. So on Instagram, I have two accounts. Uh, my personal one is Carol at Caroline Quash. And for the candles, it is at Careful Candles. And that's C-A-R-E-F-U-L-L Candles. And if you follow me there, I do post a lot of discounts. Right now, there is a promo code people can use. If you, you, if you write HELLO in all caps, you get 25% off any order. Um, so yeah, I'll note that in our show notes. Very cool. Yeah. And then on Facebook, you can search being careful podcast and careful candles. I have two separate pages on there and my website is being careful.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. You have to come back again. And I like, I want an update in six to 12 months. Yes, definitely. (laughs) It'd be so fun to get an update and hear how you're doing. So thank you for connecting with us and for all the links and everything mentioned in today's episode. Um, I will have all that over at shamelessmom.com. And if today's episode was helpful to you in any way, please share it with other people. Please, if you have questions or want to reach out to Caroline and I feel free to do that, you can reach out to me at info at shamelessmom.com. You can reach out to Caroline through the links that she's mentioned and as well as any of the um, pages that we'll post up on, on our show notes. But please, if you think that you have anything closely resembling postpartum depression, go ahead and ask for help and seek help. If you need help doing that, reach out to Caroline or myself and we can point you in the right direction to get some help. Um, If you think someone else in your life might be struggling with postpartum depression, talk to them about it. Talk to their partner about it. Get them the support that they might need because sometimes people don't know that they need help until someone else asks them if they need help. Uh, So I hope that this episode has been really helpful and inspirational to many of you. Please share it if it's been helpful. And for those of you who have not listened before, we have new episodes every Monday and Wednesday, and you can subscribe. If you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, you can subscribe as a listener, and then you will get all the episodes as soon as they're released. And you can also leave us a review over there. So thank you for listening. And thank you so much, Caroline. Definitely come back and talk to us again soon. Okay. Thank you. I will. Thank you so much. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.